Welcome to the Church 214 podcast. We're glad that you've joined us today. We hope that you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about our church, please visit our website at church214.org. So Kip, my husband, um, <clears throat> was sharing with me this week uh, actually a really, really sad story about a podcast he was watching of a young woman from North Korea. It was breaking my heart as he was telling me this story because she has endured the worst of the worst that you could possibly imagine as a human being. If you can consider your worst nightmare, multiply that by 10 or maybe 100 and that's what this young woman has experienced in her lifetime. So she had to witness the death of her father because he came against the tyranny of a corrupt government as she was growing up. She had to be front row in an arena of people who watched those that uttered the name of Jesus be literally obliterated by missiles in order to use them as an example that the kingdom of God was not welcome in that country. And yet God in his righteousness pulled her out of sex trafficking, pulled her out of the darkest valley you can possibly fathom, and he has redeemed her. He calls her by name, and she is now using her voice to give God glory and to bring light into the darkest places. And I want to remind you that following Jesus is not for your comfort. It is not about us feeling comfortable in a beautiful building, being surrounded by our friends. That is a complete gift, and it is uncommon that we have the freedoms to serve and to um, acknowledge Jesus in the way we have that freedom here in America, right? So I just, as Kip was sharing that, I just thought, man, we all need to make sure we're always checking our heart, just acknowledging the extreme blessing of getting to serve God openly in this country and not take it for granted. So this week is week four of our series called Uncommon. And I would say that we here at Church 214, what we hear frequently from people who are either new or visiting is that we are an uncommon people. And we know that we are, and we believe that God is very specific in calling us to an uncommon example of faith in Jesus. And we know that we are being called to emulate the early Christians, which was an Acts 2 concept, which is where our namesake comes from, right? And um, in that, we have had just three amazing messages in this series. Now, if you missed any of them, I would implore you to go back on the podcast and listen, because the truths that Heather and Isaac and Jason all preached are foundational to what we are called to right now in what God is doing in this generation and in this time in history. Um, so we have asked questions like, how do we live as uncommon people right now in society? And um, how do we steward what God the Father is allowing us to experience in things like the miraculous and signs and visions and words from God? How do we steward that? Okay. And um, I believe very strongly, and I think this has come out in all of their messages as well, is that it's always about godly stewardship. And we have to make sure that we're not looking to the right 
or to the left to see what's being done around us. We keep our eyes on Jesus. We have a narrow path, and we stay committed to what he's called us to do. Amen? The Spirit of God told me this week, um, I've tried to just make it a, a habit of telling you what I feel God's downloading into my spirit because I believe it increases your faith and it gives us an incredible unity. So what I felt the Spirit of God say to me this week is that there is a heavenly anointing falling upon people for an immediate turning to Jesus, for immediate life change. And so things that in the, in the worldly perspective, things that should take many, many months or many years or maybe even decades to accomplish, the Lord is breathing out his presence and there's an immediate change and an immediate turning, an immediate conviction for the ways of Jesus. That is what he's doing right now. That's what Jesus is accomplishing on this earth and through the body of believers right here, right now. We're seeing it happen firsthand here at this church and around us. Like you cannot interact with somebody without hearing them go, you are not going to believe what God's doing in my life. And it's been immediate. It's over and over and over again. It's not like one or two people. It's just wave after wave after wave after wave, people turning and turning and turning. And they're turning and they're not leaving his side. They're turning and they're staying in step with him. So today we're going to actually hear two testimonies from two of those people. We could stay here all day and hear from all of you, and I would love that. That would be like my dream come true, all day church. Um, I'd, we'd have to order in Jimmy John's, but it is truly amazing because Jesus is here among us, and he is not being shy with his willingness to pour out his spirit. And I want you to know it's for you. So if you're sitting here and you're like, man, I feel like I haven't experienced that, ask him, Jesus, let me experience what you're doing. I want that immediate turning. I want your work in my life in the supernatural. So last Sunday, um, Jason shared an incredible word from 1 Samuel 3. And I told Jason and my niece, Jules, after Sunday, I thought, why does my face hurt so bad? And I realized it was because my smile muscles were like so engaged all day because I was just beaming over what God was doing through my little niece leading worship, through Jason bringing a powerful word. And I just, Jason, I want to just say, well done. You have served, yeah. You have served so faithfully the youth. And, you know, the interesting thing about serving the youth is you get, like, zero glory for it. Because um, there's no podcast and there's no fanfare. Um, I mean, the youth give you fanfare, but there, it's, it's, a, it's a humble platform. And so that's why I think Heather knew you were the right guy for the gig because you had walked in humility. And it was such a beautiful thing that we saw come through you last Sunday. So great job. But 1 Samuel 3, 1. Um, the boy Samuel is serving the prophet Eli. And Samuel starts to hear the voice of God, but he did not know it was the voice of God because he'd never heard from God before. And so he thinks it is the prophet Eli calling to him, needing something done for him. So we're going to read 1 Samuel 3, 1. Meanwhile, the boy Samuel served the Lord by assisting Eli. Now in those days, messages from the Lord were very rare and visions were quite uncommon. 
So in the time of Samuel, hearing from God was uncommon, yet today God is speaking consistently to many of us. And people are having visions constantly. Chris is having more visions than he even has time to tell us about. And he's writing them down rapidly, but they're just coming so fast. And it's not just Chris. It's coming through all of you as well, which is so incredible. But I believe right now, specifically, there is an anointing that men and women alike are being raised up in that anointing for Jesus. That is biblical. Acts 2 17 through 18 says, In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit upon all people. Your sons and your daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. And your old men will dream dreams. So men, if you're dreaming dreams, you're old. And men, if you're having visions, you're young. Chris, you're young. (laughs) Isn't it fun that God's word can be fun? We don't have to be stuffy about it. But he says this, in those days, I will pour out my spirit even on my servants, men and women alike, and they will prophesy. That's a promise out of the word of God. Men and women alike will prophesy. We have battled a spirit of religion in this region, and we believe it's being broken off. And part of that religion has said, you know, God's spirit can only work through men. Well, guess what? God's spirit is working through women, so... I think that thought might be wrong. And the reason God is working through the women of this church, the reason, hear me, is because of the incredible covering of the men of this church. There is so much unity. Jason mentioned it on Sunday. There's so much unity in what we see God doing. I got to sit at my dining table with Daryl and Sarah for a few minutes last week, and we were talking about this, just the incredible wave of what God is doing. And I was acknowledging Sarah. She's stepping into this prophetic anointing that she's known she's had, but we're equipping her up in it. We're raising her up in it. And I was acknowledging what God's doing, and I said, you know, I think that the Lord has had all this goodness and he's been calling the men to be prepared and to be readied and to be equipped and you're ready and you're equipped and that is why you are seeing a move of God through the women being able to prophesy and speak the word of God in such a profound and significant manner so men well done well done but see we as a church as we see God moving in this significant way Those of us that are strong in our faith, we have a responsibility. It's not just about us following Jesus. We have a responsibility to become spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers to those around us. And this is a very high calling. It's very important. Now, over eight years ago, when we first heard the commission to start this church, one of the first things we heard was equip the saints. Equip the saints. And we realized that the importance in equipping you is because we have to help prepare you. We are part of the remnant. We are the forerunners going before the return of the Lord. And so if we are going to be ready, if we are going to have our oil lamps ready, we have to be prepared for what God's doing and we have to be multiplying. So it is our requirement and our calling to raise up the next generations, to create disciples, to turn those disciples into spiritual fathers, spiritual mothers, so that they can turn around and create spiritual fathers and spiritual mothers. And the kingdom of God is going to advance rapidly with that concept. 
You know, there's so much value in having someone ahead of you who can help recognize what God is doing. Just now, right here in this service, I went over to some of my spiritual leadership and I said, here's what I'm sensing God doing. Can you partner with me in this? And they covered me and they prayed over me and they helped prepare me for what was, ex- what was happening in the spirit realm here. That is spiritual leadership. That's fathering and mothering. We all need that. None of us graduate needing a spiritual mama, spiritual father. But we see this example in the story of Samuel. So 1 Samuel 3, 7 through 10 says that Samuel did not know the voice of the Lord yet because he had never had a message from him before. So the Lord called a third time and once more Samuel got up and went to Eli. Here I am. Did you call me? Now, I want to encourage you. Some of you might feel like, gosh, I think God has spoken to me before, and I think I missed it. That's okay. He's going to give you a second chance and a third chance to recognize who he is and what he's saying, okay? And sometimes he's going to bring people around you to go, oh, that's the voice of the Father. That's what's calling you. Then Eli realized it was the Lord who was calling the boy. So he said to Samuel, Go and lie down again, and if someone calls you again, say, Speak, Lord, your servant is listening. So Samuel went back to bed, and the Lord came and called as before, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel replied, Speak, your servant is listening. So let's notice the words in verse 8. It says, Then Eli realized it was the Lord. So Eli is a spiritual father to Samuel, He's raising him up to recognize the father's voice. See, Samuel thought it was a human speaking, and Eli pointed out, no, this is the voice of the father speaking over you. See, we are fathers and mothers raising up sons and daughters in the church. And I want today to be an example of what it looks like to raise up a spiritual child, if you will. Okay, but I thought this was so cool. The Lord showed me this. Even the Apostle Paul, right? The powerhouse Apostle Paul, he had a spiritual mother. He writes in Romans 16, 13, he says, greet Rufus, maybe a baby name idea for those of you pregnant, I don't know. But I mean, there's power behind this because listen, greet Rufus, whom the Lord picked out to be his very own. Rufus was God's very own own. So I feel like those of you that are pregnant should consider that name very, very strongly. He says, and also his dear mother who has been a mother to me. So Rufus's mother was a spiritual mother to the apostle Paul. Do you know that if the apostle Paul needed a spiritual mama, we need spiritual mamas in this place, right? Yeah. But watch this. It didn't stop there. Then Paul says in 1 Timothy 1.3, he says, I am writing to Timothy, my true son in the faith. So Rufus's mama is raising up Paul spiritually, and Paul is raising up Timothy spiritually as his son. This is the body of Christ. This is generational impact for what God wants to do. This is uncommon, but this is what we are called to Now, typically, I don't preach in back-to-back months. Now, we have a different structure here. We have many of us that speak and share. Um, We're all volunteer. None of us get paid to do it. Um, So when we sign up to preach, it is 
it's like a holy interruption. It's like a holy disruption for your life. Um, Because I also home educate my kids. And so it's like this balancing act of figuring out how to present the word of God for y'all and also teach math and science to my little ones and not let it compete, but let it be united in what God wants to do. So I typically don't do back-to-back months just because it it is hard on my family for mama to be giving the amount of time to this that I need to give to it. But when we had our last teaching team, I don't know, six months ago, whatever it would have been, I was praying afterwards and I said, Lord, what am I supposed to, what series am I supposed to preach in? And I felt him show me two series. And as I looked on the schedule for when those series were planned, I noticed they were in back-to-back months. And I just said, Lord, I typically don't preach in back-to-back months. This is to honor my family. This is to value my time with my family. And I felt him say this. He said, I need space for a story I want to tell. So I submitted those two series ideas to Heather, and I even said in the email, I know these are back-to-back months. I'm okay with it. I didn't go into the details. I just said, I'm okay with it. So on March 5th, I preached a message in in the um, Whispers and Shouts series. And that very day, right after service, a woman walked up to me and asked to have a conversation. We ended up in a conversation. And at the end of that conversation, God said to me, this is the story I want to tell. So here we are on April 23rd, 2023, and God had spoken six months ago about the story he wanted to tell today from the voice of someone I had no knowledge of. That is how God works. Do not underestimate how specific he is. See, he needed space today for the story he wanted to tell. And I think, you know, Phil, we sing that song, We Make Space. And I had this thought this week, that's not just to, like, create an emotional response, right? That's a prophetic proclamation that, God, we're creating space in this atmosphere for you to do whatever you want, right? So I just thought, how cool is that? Um, so with that said... I would love to invite you into an incredible story that God is writing right now. I'm going to invite my friend, my sweet friend, Nicole, to the stage with me. And she's coming up with so much eagerness and excitement. And I cannot wait for what God wants to say right now. Yeah. Welcome, Nicole. Hi. Okay, so some of the best advice I got from one of my, my spiritual dads when I share the word of God is it's really deep. Are you ready? It's have fun. Okay, so are you ready to have fun? Yes. Okay, let's do this. So we're going to have, um, you can have a seat right there. We're going to get cozy and comfy. Thank you so much, guys. You guys are awesome. Okay, friends, this is my sweet friend, Nicole. Say hi, Nicole. Hi. Um, I am so excited for what God's going to do today because it is um, significant, especially being he spoke it over six months ago that this was coming. And so, um, Nicole, the first thing I want to share is this week as I was preparing, I asked the Lord, I said, Father, how do you want to encourage Nicole? Like, the Father God, what are your thoughts about Nicole from the throne room of heaven? And this is what he said over you, Nicole. He said, Nicole, the anointing for life change is upon you. 
you are a powerhouse for the spirit of Jesus to work through you because of your humility. Your heart condition is cultivated to respond to the Father's love and be moved toward his will. So I hope that that encourages you because your Father God is so proud of you. And I know we had a moment backstage where we reminded you of that, but what the Lord is doing through you is very significant, and I believe that it is a thousand percent ordained and anointed by the Lord. You have been anointed for such a time as this, okay? All right, so I am going to invite you to share with us a little bit about what has taken place in the last couple of months as we've gotten to know you. Okay, sounds good. Um, so my wife, Briley, and I have been together for almost five years now. Um, and about two and a half months ago, I received a conviction, um, the first week we were here, actually, that I was supposed to leave that relationship. Yeah, okay. So um, to rewind and give you some background info, I grew up in a Christian home and always believed in Jesus because that was like the thing to do. Jesus was everywhere. Um, but it was never really my own faith, so I never experienced that for myself. I just um, knew that was what we did. Um, so, keep going. All right. <laughs> okay. So, grew up in a loving Christian home. Um, my parents got divorced when I think I was around 16, um, and I started spending a lot of time with this guy that I worked with, um, which meant I always also spent a lot of time with alcohol because that's what um, we did together. And so during that time, um, it, our, our relationship was mainly based around alcohol um, and, and lies and betrayal. But he was the, the one male that I did feel an attraction to. Um, and I don't really remember at any point in my childhood when I had like a solid moment of thinking I was going to be with a woman or that I had an attraction to women. Um, there was not like a solid moment. I didn't even know that that was a thing. I didn't know it was like an option until probably high school. Um, and so I, I fought with that back and forth. I remember seeing like Disney movies and like my friends would be talking about Prince Charming and I was like, but look at Esperanza, you know? And um, I, I didn't really know what that meant at the time. Um, and so dated women and then met that guy that I worked with and spent a lot of time with him. It was not a healthy relationship, but like I said, he was the only male that I have experienced attraction to. Um, that relationship was on and off for a handful of years, um, but it ended with some really deep hurts. <clears throat> so after that, that kind of pain that we went through, I started dating girls again um, for a couple years. Um, this is not something I share with people, but every time I prayed, God told me to share it, so I'm going to share it, and um, here it is. So um, there was one day I was on with this girl I had just met. It was a friend's birthday party, so I had invited her to stay at my house. Um, we went to get drinks, and we got to the bar, went up to buy drinks. I ran into a guy I knew um, from the past. He's like, hey, I'll get you guys, get you and your girlfriend drinks, whatever. Um, so we went to the dance floor. A couple minutes later, he brought us drinks, and... That was, um, I remember very little after that. Um, I woke up and my door frame was busted and she was on the couch and had very little memory as well. Um, and so when I woke up that next morning, I think that that was kind of the moment that I swore off dating men. Um, 
and I had a friend coming into town a few days later, and she she came into my house, and I was still home, and she convinced me to file a report. Um, so I got to sit and tell the story three different times to three male officers because no females were on duty. And because it had been over 72 hours, um, there was no way to detect that there was a drug in my system from the drinks or anything that had happened. So um, thankfully, that that uh, man moved out of state, and he's no longer no longer in the area. Um, but that was definitely a defining moment for me, saying there's no, like, it. there was very little chance of me dating men again, but when that happened, it was like, okay, this was my confirmation that I'm not going to be doing that anymore. It was about four months later when I met Briley. Um, and... We had a, a really rocky start the first couple of years. Um, we both brought in a lot of baggage and pain and um, things that weren't healed from the past. Um, but we we were both willing to work on the relationship, and we both put a lot of work in on that. Um, and I'd say about this last year is when we, we became super strong and super uh, connected. We felt like we were rock solid. And then, ironically, Jesus um, gave me this conviction, and it was very confusing for us that that would happen. Um, so we had been going to a church for almost four years, I think, and we didn't really feel a part of the community, but we didn't put ourselves out there. And so um, the Spanglers, uh, our, our daughter's homeschooled, and she met their Layla. My Layla met her Layla. Can you, can you tell that story about the library just really fast? Yes. it's so fantastic and amazing. Oh, okay. <laughs> um, I wasn't there. It was Briley. Um, I was cleaning for somebody that day, but Briley was at the library, and uh, little Layla, Layla Sue is Kristen's daughter and my daughter's Layla May. So um, Layla May came running up with Layla Sue, and she's like, there's this art event that we're going to, and um, you guys can come after. And Kristen's like, yeah, you, she can just ride with us. And Briley's like, Nicole will never let Layla ride with a stranger. Like, are you kidding me? And so Briley's like texting me, like, what do you think about this? I'm like, absolutely not. Like, you can drive her there. Anyway, so. Uh, <laughs> Which, if you know Kristen Spangler, Kristen, are you here? Where are you? There you are. She's just, like, so awesome and bubbly and outgoing. Like, no big deal. Let your daughter get in a stranger's car and go to the art fair. Like, this is what homeschool moms do, right? Just love everybody. So as she was recapping this, we were like, what in the world? <laughs> Kristen, hilarious. Yes. So then, like, I guess she presumed or carried on to, like, invite Briley to, like, the next three months' worth of activities that they were doing. Uh, <laughs> And one of those included church, and we were like, well, we have one that we go to, but Briley and I had been talking about visiting other churches, but we hadn't taken that step because we, we didn't really know how to leave a church or what that looked like. Um, and so we were like, yeah, we'll try it. And the first week here, it was, like, super intense. I mean, I think I've heard other people talk many times about it, but you walk in here, and it is a different experience. It's a different feeling. And again, like, I always believed in Jesus, went to many different churches, VBS, Wednesday nights, Sunday mornings, all that stuff, and I, I've never experienced it like I have here or, or experienced Jesus in general. It, and maybe I witnessed it or maybe I felt it at some point, but I didn't know it was him. Um, and so it's just different. It's different here. And I know there's other churches like it, but Church 214 is unique, and the people in the community make this place just incredible. Um, so tell me about, because week one when you came, I wasn't here. I was at my son's hockey tournament. And you, so Chris preached a message, and you experienced 
what that first Sunday? You experienced the conviction from Jesus, right? Okay, tell us what that felt like and how you were moved from probably the back row, I would imagine, or close to yeah, the back. Yeah, wherever the Spanglers were sitting, probably like fourth or fifth, not to call you guys out. Yeah, <laughs> but totally to call you oh, out. You yeah. guys are scooting further back. Next week, you need to be closer up. Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I think that's because they have to leave early. But um, <laughs> uh, so we, like I said, we got in here, didn't really know what to expect. And um, during worship, Chris was preaching and the altar call afterwards, well, for one, we didn't do altar calls at our other church. So we were like, what's going on? You know, like, um, these people are crazy. <laughs> we started experiencing the Holy Spirit. Yeah. And, um, and so Briley and I are like crying. I, I mean, she didn't know what I was going through. I didn't know what she was going through. And I'm like, I had to pee super bad. And I'm like, he's, he was praying for probably like four minutes at that point. I'm like, I'm sure he's going to keep going. Like maybe I can dip out real quick. Just a potty break. Potty break. I'm like, cause I'm not going to go up to the altar if I have to pee and like all that. Anyway, I didn't know what that entailed being up here. <laughs> Sorry. Do you talk about peeing on stage? I don't. Well. We haven't previously, but we do now. Okay. <laughs> We're getting real comfy today. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, anyway, so I was like starting to experience the Holy Spirit, which I didn't know it was at the time. I just thought I was having like a panic attack and my body was shaking. My chest was tight. Um, and so I'm like, okay, I ran out to go to the bathroom. It was like, I wasn't even walking. It was like, I, my body was just moving. So I went, I come back. I'm like, I'm going to my seat. That's my comfort zone. And like, I kept walking like, and I ended up over here kneeling, um, Okay, uh, so Holly came up and asked what she could pray for, and I didn't have words for, I just had a conviction that I was going to leave my wife of five years. So I was like, just that I can surrender to what God's trying to do in my life. Um, so she had prayed over that. And then ironically, like, I was at my seat, and you, Chris spoke over tarot cards and, like, certain things with that. And I, I had used oracle cards, and, like, I thought they were, like, the light cards. I don't know. I, I prayed to Jesus when I used them, so I thought it was, like, a good thing. Um, and when he spoke about that, it was like somebody gripped around my neck and it was like my throat was constricted. And so it was like, okay, like I didn't have any, any thoughts about those being bad until that moment. And so, um, it was funny. I went back and listened to the message and he speaks of the spirit of Python and says how it's constricting your voices. And I was like, oh, I experienced that. But it was like five minutes after he said about the cards. So I laid that down that day and then I did not know how to say um, to Briley, but somehow Briley, I'll let her share that story, but she somehow had an idea of what was going on, which was a total God thing. So like maybe the spirit of God was speaking to her too, just, yeah. yeah. He tends to do that. Yeah. Do you keep going? Okay. So then that, that happened, got back to our seats. We were like, all right, Kristen and Matt, like you didn't warn us that like we... <laughs> this was going to happen, like that you guys get down on the first time of meeting and like we're all sitting there crying anyway. Um, so no heads up for that. So if you invite somebody, maybe don't tell them <laughs> that it's intense here. Um, We've had to like up our tissue order for y'all. Yeah. <laughs> like, Where are you know what tissues in the house? Yes. So, so that happened. We kind of talked with them um, that week. I was like, okay, God spoke to me. I actually, I wrote that down because I, I forgot. And when I was praying this week, he gave me the words again. So clear as day, um, Chris had said, I'm going to probably butcher the words, but it was something like, what do you need to lay down at the cross? 
And God clearly spoke to me and said, you need to lay, lay this relationship down. And I was like, I don't know how. And his answer was, I'll show you how. Um, and there was other things, of course, that I was going back and forth on, like I've been hurt, like I can't, whatever, all these things. And he had an answer for every single one of them. Funny how that works. And so um, this, that week I was like still not listening. You know, you'd think that'd be enough. And so I, I was like, all right, Briley, like this week let's look into our own research on this. Let's, let's look up some Bible verses, talk to different people. Like um, didn't want to just take one person's word for it, which looking back that was kind of silly. And so we did that, and all week it was, I believe, gay-affirming Christians, and it was, like, them shouting, not shouting, but it was very direct, like, this is okay, and this is why, and and all these things. And so I'm, like, I was feeling very confused, very conflicted, and, like, in my mind I knew God spoke to me, but I I had all these other answers, and then it's, like, okay, I didn't want to hurt Briley more. And so we got there the second week. I'm, like, okay, we prayed for confirmation when we came in, and... Heidi speaks, and it's still the series Whispers and Shouts, and one of her opening phrases is that God speaks to you in whispers, and the enemy speaks in shouts. And so Sunday, I was God whispered to me, and then all week, I was shouted at why it was okay. Um, and so that was kind of confirmation. I think by the end of that, that day, we were crying again, and um, Briley leaned over and held me the whole last worship song, and she, she said, uh, everything's going to be okay, and I know. And so I, I I, think God knew I could not verbalize what needed to happen, and so he gave her the knowing. Um, so I'll, I'll leave, it, leave it here. Okay, so, wow, so much there. Briley, will you join us, sweet Briley? Welcome, Briley, guys. Hi, Briley girl. We tease every now and then, so um, we'll talk often about the first conversation we had, and we'll say, like, that was like 10 years ago, because what God has done in March and April is so much and so significant and so rapid that I feel like I have known these girls for 10 years. Like, I feel like I have spiritual mom them for 10 years, not in a bad way, in a good way, in a God has done what should take a decade, God has done in two months. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Yeah. So tell us what it was like when we met 10 years ago. <laughs> it was like not even 10 weeks ago. Um, Riley, hi, welcome. Welcome. Thank you. Um, okay. So I want you to kind of pick up actually first, hold on. I got to find my notes. Um, yesterday driving to the women's brunch, I was like, Lord, is there a word you want to speak over Briley? Because I try in the prophetic, um, I don't ever force a word. I don't ever make anything up. Um, even if, like when I'm um, parenting my children, if God gives me a word over one of my children, I've taught them that it doesn't, ex it doesn't mean that he has to give me a word for all three of them. It's not excluding them. It means that that's a word for maybe Wilder at the moment, and Collins might have something later. So I thought maybe the Lord just had a word for Nicole because I hadn't received one for you. And I was like, okay, I'm going to just rest in that. And that's okay. This, we're not, we're not going to be in comparison here. We're not worried about, like, everything's got to be fair, right? But then as I was driving, the Lord downloaded a word for you. And so, um, Briley, here's what I felt the Father say over you. He said, you have been an evangelist tucked back in the wings. The Father says over you, Briley, 
I have been waiting for the right moment to show you your gift, and it is being brought forth right now. Briley, the father says, my beloved daughter, you have returned to my design for you, and you have aligned your heart with mine. Because of this, I will use your voice as an evangelist in the land, and the limits will be boundless. Submit to my voice and to my plan. The mental and emotional life change will take place in less than a season. While the world says it should take years for you to recover, I say you are healed and you have been made ready. He said, walk in humility, knowing that my spirit goes before you and I've given you all that you need. The assignment against you was belittlement and confusion, but my word over you is that you are aligned with my design and you will mother many. So, with that said, I know you're a processor. I'm going to send that home with you for you to process. We're going we're gonna to break that down over the next 10 years. So, um, Briley, would you pick up where Nicole left off as far as sharing what God started to do on that Sunday in your spirit and in your life? Yeah, so the first week of us being here, uh, we had two completely different situations happen at the altar. So I was, like, so curious, like, tell me what yours was. And she was already kind of in that battle alone, so... I kind of figured it was about, you know, being in a same-sex relationship. Um, and then that week that we were doing, like, the research on our own and everything, I was annoying her so bad of just tell me, are you staying? Are you going? Are you staying? Are you going? And she's like, I just need time. And so when we got here that second week, um, like she said, literally, I, I just... I'm standing and I'm facing the screen obviously and Nicole's on my left and I'm looking and I just see her out of the corner of my eye and it was like instantly like turn, grab, hold her and let her know I know. And it it was insane and Hunter and Jason I guess were like scared that something was wrong with us because we were bawling our eyes out for four minutes of the song and... <laughs> All they saw was us in front of them, like, what's going on with those two? But in that moment, it was insanely confusing because we both had a peace with us that isn't able to be explained on an earthly term of how we were able to actually move through this whole process. Um, after we were done with the service, we sat and just stared at each other not knowing what was next. And that's when I was like, I guess we go and talk to somebody. And it was like, who? There's like 15 million people that are leaders here. Who do we go and pick? <laughs> and they all look so, alike. Literally. <laughs> you might have wanted Holly, you ended up with Heidi, who yeah. knew? <laughs> I said, I guess the one that spoke this morning, I don't know. And so I walked up and I, I asked her if she could talk to us and we went in the conference room and just let her know where we were at. 
so that was Sunday, obviously. Tuesday, we went to dinner. We went to Holly and Isaac's house and had dinner. They had us over, and Heidi was there. And uh, we partied all night long on a Tuesday night till like 11 o'clock and just kept talking about Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> and like five hours yes. we sat at the dinner table. <laughs> and there were six kids in the house, all that stayed up with us because there was breakthrough happening, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have to tell you this. I think Holly and I, after you left, I, we both said that we, and Isaac, we said that we could see the spirit of God literally transforming your mind right in front of us. Like yeah. across that dining table, it was just happening right now. Yeah. So cool. Sure. So then uh, still that serious confusion of what's going on in our lives right now, but I just want to make it clear, like, a really strong amount of peace at the same time. So then Thursday comes and um, we came to Breakthrough and I was I was really, really struggling. I, I saw Heidi, Holly, and Nicole having laughter and talking about things in the future and I was just a mess. So I, I walked over and I sat down by myself and I took time to myself and I was just in a moment of not wanting to accept it. And Heather said, if anybody wants to share their testimony, their microphone is right here. Nicole, ironically, had to go pee again, so she wasn't in here. <laughs> and so she came back, and I leaned over, and I said, the microphone's up there for anybody who wants to give a testimony. I said, I don't think I physically can talk right now. Um, Which that's like a miracle in and of itself. <laughs> I'm teasing. I, I love conversing with you. I think it's so fun. So, but I felt a pull. I, and I was like, I don't know how I'll physically get the right words, though. Yeah. And so I leaned over and I said, we need to talk. I, I know we're supposed to. And... Heidi's like, well, let's go. And it was literally just ran up here and Dalton, go get the green couch. And <laughs> we're sitting up here and talking now. Yeah, thank you. I, I had a few huge feeling that somebody needed to hear it, our testimony. Um, but again, remember, I was not mentally okay to talk or to even present myself. You actually said to me, you said, I know I'm supposed to share because I can sense someone in the room needs to hear our story, but I cannot speak. And I was like, no, come on, we're gonna do this. You can yeah. do it, right? Yeah. Yeah, and we walked up here. In fear and trembling, but we <clears throat> walked up here, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we shared our testimony and we were just chilling, talking in the back afterwards and, um, our new friend now, uh, Chris, walked by and said, he's like, he's like leaving, like, yeah, I'm, I'm out of here. And he like turns around and he's like, can I, can I just say something? Yes. <laughs> and he's like, you guys just wrecked me. And because of our testimony getting shared and us obeying God when he was calling us forward to share and speak, it led him to um, sitting down in the front row up here and having people pray over him and him accepting Jesus back into his life. Yeah.
so that was Thursday, and then Sunday was when I got baptized. <laughs> um, yeah. So Nicole and Layla uh, were sick feeling that day, and uh, that was the daylight savings day, so we were crashed out and did not wake up. I texted Heidi and Holly, and I said, hey, um, not coming. It's 948. <laughs> They're and like, I said, get here. not happening. Get here. Put on your clothes and get here. Yeah, so Nicole said, just go. And I was really fighting it because, like, one, I don't want to go alone without them, but, two, they're sick feeling like I want to stay home and be with them. And so she said that one of us need to go at least to get some Holy Spirit in us and bring it back home. Bottle that you, stuff up. Yeah, if you come here, you're going to get it, and you're going to take it. <laughs> so... So I, I came here, and um, I, I was sitting there, and I had a thought in my head of no one's here with me physically, so I can just kind of bounce out and not have to talk to anybody when I leave. And right then, my watch dings, and I turn my hand over, and I'm like, really? Heidi texts me, and it says, make sure you don't leave without talking to me at the end. And I'm like... No, no joke, literally in that second. Because she was in the um, toddler's room that day. So then I, during, Chris was praying now, and his whole thing was about if you release, then you can receive. And my thing was then I had to release Nicole and Layla to then receive a new life. And I was glued. Like, I physically could not move. And in my head, I was like, I need... I need Heidi here right now. I need Heidi here right now. I need Heidi here right now because I cannot get up there um, and come to the altar. And guess who came? She put her hand on my shoulder and was there. And I told her that I needed to go up there, but I can't do it by myself. And so we came up here, and that was my moment of then trying to release everything that I had always known. Um, so then that's when I got baptized. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. I told you, a lot has happened in a few weeks. <clears throat> I know your minds are, ble are blown right now, but um, I think I want to point out that, um, Riley, your baptism was out of obedience for what you knew God was doing in you, right? Can you talk to me a little bit about um, what you see in your future? Because I know the Lord has shown you visions and signs of your future. And you can be broad if you want to. But can you talk to me a little bit about, about that? Unless, were you planning to do that at the end? Mm -mm. Okay. Uh, the first week that we were here, um, so I just want to make this clear that it's before the final I know moment from her and everything. Um, I was receiving a confirmation of my future and seeing, well, basically I was received a message of a husband and kids. And this happened before more serious conversations. So that's what was really weird about it. Um, but it was a strong, bold voice that was saying it. And there was no, you know, 
buffer around it. Like it was just a firm, yes, this is what's coming. Yeah. Um, and I, I, I truly think that the only reason that happened was for me to be able to be like open hand and say, okay, take, take my girls from me. And just because I didn't experience what Nicole experienced of this instant, like this needs to be fixed now, this needs to be laid down. And so I feel that that was my ability to open up and listen to God speak into me and show me what's to come yeah. for myself. When it was like that, like Samuel, he didn't recognize maybe at first. And it took Eli saying like, say, speak, Lord, your servant's listening. And I think that's what you've experienced. And that's what I've said to both of you. Your conviction was instantaneous and you knew without a doubt and you made bold steps to draw a line and to not look back. And, you know, your conviction was more of a journey and more of a process of figuring out what God was doing, right? But I think that's the encouraging thing is that God doesn't work in the exact same way for all of us, and that is okay. So part of our role in not judging one another is not trying to, like, well, this is how God worked in me. This is how it should look in you, too. God is so unique in how he speaks to us and how he works in our lives to bring conviction. Okay, so before I move on, is there anything you girls want to share at this point? I know you're going to share here in a minute, but. Okay. Um, just to touch on what Briley said, I just think it's incredible how, how much God has moved and kind of how everybody's been speaking, like things are in fast forward right now. And um, just the fact that he's able to turn our eyes from this attraction that we had or this this thing that we experienced and just give us these visions or these thoughts or, or letting us let go of that attraction and, and envision something possibly in the future is just incredible. Um, and I felt called to share like just that everybody's got sin and, um, some is more visible than other sin. And so, um, I think there is a cliche or a People are conditioned to believe the church um, may treat certain people a different way, whether that's um, this same-sex attraction or pornography or drugs, something that's more visible than something that's done behind closed doors. And I just think it's very important. Um, I have never experienced it here, but again, we've been here two and a half months. Uh, but I, I have friends that are still in this lifestyle, and they, they won't come to church because of things they've experienced in a church or from church people. And, and, and I understand that it is a, that's labeling church. And, and I've learned, I, I used to be that way too. And I, I thought the church would always judge and, and I've learned that, but I do want to make a point that like, just as Christians, we need to love people so well. Um, God wouldn't look at somebody and be like, you're disgusting or make fun or I, do you want to add to that? Add that. The main thing that Jesus made very clear that we're supposed to do is love other people. And we all fall so short of that on earth in so many ways. But no different than she said with us being an outward sin, us being able to walk in a room and people then can label us as gay. Um, it just needs, there needs to be a fire like lit between people wanting to actually love somebody for where they're at yeah. 
the main thing that I feel is like we label people so much for what they are, whether they're an alcoholic or they're sleeping around with people or they're gay, whatever the case, and we don't realize that they're actually just a daughter a tra or a son of Jesus and that it's actually not a label on them, it's just the enemy on them. So if like we can turn our judgment of the way that we see somebody for what we label them in and just say, wow, I need to literally see them for where they're at, love them in the valley that they're in, help them walk up the mountain to where they can meet God and that's going to bring more people to God than to than not, you know, push them back to Satan. So good. That is a perfect setup for what I feel God's asked me to say next. And it's right out of scripture. First um, Timothy 1, 15 through 17. It says, this is a trustworthy saying and everyone should accept it. Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners, and I am the worst of them all. But God had mercy on me so that Christ Jesus could use me as a prime example of his great patience with even the worst sinners. And I want to be clear, I'm not pointing out that this is the worst sin. I'm saying all of us as a collective representative of our worst sins, right? Then others will realize that they too can believe in him and receive eternal life. All honor and glory to God forever and ever. He is the eternal king, the unseen one who never dies. He alone is God. And so church, listen to me clearly. Part of our responsibility in mothering spiritually as fathers and mothers is being willing to speak the truth in boldness, that is outlined in scripture, but in love. This is such a tension, but this is critical. Jesus outlined it for us. And so if we are able to emulate the character of Christ, we are going to see life change again and again and again. Acts 20, 19 says, I have done the Lord's work humbly and with many tears. I have endured the trials that came to me. I never shrank back from telling you what you needed to hear either publicly or in your homes, which makes me think of all the conversations we've had over the last many weeks with Holly and Isaac and with myself and you guys. We had a responsibility to not shrink back, right? To not help point you to scripture. And then your responsibility was to try what we were challenging and line it up with scripture, right? Which you did. And I know you did that because we were texting constantly about what does scripture say. So it says this, I had one message the necessity of repenting from sin and turning to God and of having faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. Now, I heard one of my spiritual mentors say this quote. He said, many are toying with their eternity in the name of grace. Mark 9:42 says that if you cause one of these little ones who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. And I believe this passage is not just speaking physically about little children. It's speaking about those new in their faith, young in their faith. We have a responsibility of not offsetting them. We have a responsibility of pointing them to scripture and speaking truth 
in love. I believe that any gospel that is preached that does not teach that Jesus can and will transform any sinner is not the true gospel. We have to believe that. The gospel of Jesus is about repentance, forgiveness, and transformation. The grace of the cross is what gives us the courage to change. And that's what you've experienced in the last two months. You've experienced the grace of the cross. And I want to be clear. They loved Jesus before they came to this church. They did not experience salvation here. They're experiencing redemption of sin. And so you might be sitting here thinking like, well, gosh, I'm already a Christian. So I, 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 this story couldn't come through me. This story can come through you because all of us have the freedom and the opportunity to be redeemed. The, the word of God says the righteous fall seven times and they get up again and again and again. Okay. So you might feel like you've fallen right now. You're going to have the opportunity in a little bit to lay down whatever sin it is you're struggling. Briley's going to talk to you about that. Once you get the kingdom of God in you, this is for you girls, but this is for all of you, you become responsible for the people around you. That's part of that mothering and that fathering. Once the kingdom of God is in us, we have the responsibility of helping people know that the grace of the cross gives them the courage to change. All right, Briley and Nicole, I want to commission you. Colossians 1, this is kind of long, but this is important for you. Colossians 1, uh, this letter is from Paul, chosen by the will of God to be an apostle of Christ Jesus, and from our brother Timothy. We are writing to God's holy people in the city who are faithful brothers and sisters in Christ. May God our Father give you grace and peace. We always pray for you, and we give thanks to God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. For we have heard of your faith in Christ Jesus and your love for all of God's people, which came from your confident hope of what God has reserved for you in heaven. We've talked a lot about what God has reserved for you in heaven, haven't we? You have had this expectation ever since you heard the truth of the good news. This same good news that came to you is going out all over the world. It is bearing fruit everywhere and changing lives. Nicole, one thing that we've seen through your obedience specifically is multiple lives have been changed in that amount of time, right? Um, do you, you've experienced your mom turning back to Christ after 12 years away from her. She's experienced her sister Faith turning back to Jesus after she had dabbled in witchcraft. The, the turning has been rapid and many and that is the result of obedience to Jesus. That has nothing to do with manipulation. It has nothing to do with anything um, that happened here. It's the, it's the conviction of Jesus. You learned about the good news. He is the, um, so you learned about the good news um, from a beloved coworker. He is Christ's faithful servant, and he is helping on our behalf. He has told us about the love of others that the Holy Spirit has given you. That Holy Spirit love is flowing through both of you, and it's going to change a lot of lives. So we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you. We asked God to give you the complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. 
then the way you live will always honor and please the Lord, and your lives will produce every kind of good fruit. All the while, you will grow as you learn to know God better and better. We also pray that you will be strengthened with all of his glorious power so that you will have all of the endurance and patience you need. May you be filled with joy. Always thanking the Father, he has enabled you to share in the inheritance that belongs to his people who live in the light. For he has rescued you from the kingdom of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son who purchased our freedom and forgave our sins. Christ is the invisible image of the invisible is the visible image of the invisible God. He existed before anything was created and is supreme over all creation. For through him, God created everything in the heavenly realms and on earth. He made the things that we can see and the things that we can't see, such as thrones, kingdoms, rulers, authorities in the unseen world. Everything was created through him and for him. He existed before anything else, and he holds all creation together. Christ is also the head of the church, which is his body. He is the beginning, supreme over all who rise from the dead, so he is first in everything. For God in his fullness was pleased to live in Christ, and through him God reconciled everything and everyone to himself. He made peace with everything in heaven and on earth by means of Christ's blood on the cross. This includes you who were once far from God. You were his enemies, separated from him by evil thoughts and actions. Yet now he has reconciled you to himself through the death of Jesus in his physical body. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence. And you are holy, you are blameless, and you stand before him without a single fault. But you must continue to believe in this truth and stand firm. Don't drift away for the assurance you received when you heard the good news. The good news has been preached all over the world, and I, Paul, have been appointed as God's servant to proclaim it. So, girls, I want you to know from the pastors of this church, the leaders of this church, the family of this church, we are for you. We have your backs. I know this journey has not been easy. It has required a lot of hard conversations, but you have responded in obedience again and again, and I'm so proud of you. So, Briley girl, you ready to exercise your evangelism muscles? Nicole, you can either leave or you can stay, whatever you feel best about. If you guys take notes, go ahead and write down Romans 6. And I just encourage that this is a time where you just really dive in this week onto what this entire, all these verses say and what giving up sin actually means. So we're going to go ahead and go to Romans 6, 12 through 14. That means you must not give sin a vote in the way you conduct your lives. Don't give it a time of the day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. Throw yourselves wholeheartedly and full time. Remember, you've been raised from the dead into God's way of doing things. Sin cannot tell you how to live. Let that one sit in. 
Sin cannot tell you how to live. After all, you're not living under that old tyranny any longer. You're living in that freedom of God. So now I just ask you, what is your main sin right now? And I know that we all sin daily all the time and have several, but for Nicole and I, our, our main sin that was holding us so far away from God and chasing God and having a deeper relationship with God was having same-sex attraction and being in that marriage. So I'm just going to ask that you just take a second to really dive into that main sin that you struggle and battle with, whether it's been like for me my entire life that I've always felt this way, or you were conditioned it due to uh, your household that you grew up in and it's passed down on you, or if you've had it just in this last week, what is that sin? Is it lust? Is it being a hypocrite? Do you sneak around and watch porn? Are you very jealous all the time? Are you stuck with greed and just desiring money and seeking it so much more than God? Do you have several idols? Do you pay attention to sports? Do you pay attention to your work? Or do you pay attention to your phone more than God? Do you have bitterness that you need to work through? Unforgiveness, disobeying your parents, getting drunk, pride, at least one of those hit you in some shape or form. And I want you guys to realize that you are literally no different than a yoga mat. So basically, if you are this yoga mat, Satan literally has you tied up and latched with that sin that you're so certain of that you can't let go of. And since he's got these chains on you right now, you don't think it's possible to come forward and actually lay down the sin that you're experiencing. For me, it was, there's, there's no way that I'm going to, once I finally felt okay to be myself, give up my life with somebody I love. So why would I release that? It was the question. So you try to fight that sin So let's say that you're struggling with drinking really bad. So you go to church and you're trying to give it up. You listen to Jesus music. You're praying. You leave church. But guess what? It's Sunday fun day. Your buddies texted you. You're going back to that old life. It's all about who that you're surrounding yourself with. Because if you remember, if we go back up to 12 through 14, if you can bring that verse up, it specifically says... Don't give it the time of day. Don't even run little errands that are connected with that old way of life. So if we continue to try to do this on our own, going back to church again, may, maybe make it to breakthrough. Oh, I got coffee with a friend on Friday. We talked a little about Jesus. But Friday night, ooh, movie. Yep, going to drink again. Had a rough day. So you're just continuing to battle. You think you're going to get it done. You think that you can do it. You know you need to give it up. So I'm going to keep pushing. I'm going to keep pushing. But Satan still had you chained and was pulling you back. So what if you flip it and you stop trying to do it on your own? And now we lay it down and let God do it. 
So now I'm able to stand on a strong foundation and I don't have any temptations because I am literally, it's flat now, okay? Because I laid down the fact that Satan could have this pull on me and control me and continue to put me in situations where it was not going to serve me. So what is it for you that you may need to not only flip it over and give it to God, but who do you need to let go of in your life? Who do you need to now pursue in your life? What community that you need now? Even being here, like we've, we're not going anywhere. <laughs> like we need to be here and we get mad when there's not more events on the calendar because we need to be here. <laughs> so if we look at, uh, Stay in chapter 6. If we go to verse 20 through 21, it says, As long as you did what you felt like doing, I sure felt like staying in the relationship. I didn't feel like breaking up our house and starting over. If you choose to ignore God, you didn't have to bother with right thinking or right living or right anything for that matter. But do you call that a free life? What did you get out of it? It's nothing that you're proud of. Where did it get you? A dead end. And if we flip that map back over, we never got to where we could actually keep going because it kept rolling back up. It wouldn't actually stay flat, and it's a dead end. But if I flip it back over, it is so flat, and it is able to just keep walking and I go one way to God. So if we look now at 22 through 23. But now you've found you don't have to listen to sin tell you what to do. And have discovered the delight of listening to God telling you. Now get this. A whole healed put together life right now with more and more life on the way. So when you lay down that sin today that you're struggling with so bad that you just, that Satan literally right now is telling you in your head that you don't need to give up, that it is still okay for you to be living this way, that it, you still believe in God, you still go to church, you still read the word, so why would you need to give this up? It's not changing anything. Um, it, it's going to change a lot. If you feel lukewarm, if you feel that you're just moving through the motions, like, Giving up this sin that you're struggling with will change everything for you. Work hard for sin in your whole life, and pension is your death. Your pension is death. But God's gift is real life, eternal life, delivered by Jesus our Master. So today you get the choice to be free. You can tell the devil to take the back seat, and Jesus can take the wheel, but you get to choose. No one else gets to choose this for you. If you're ready for a life of healing, feeling whole, feeling peace, safe, loved, wanted, supported, cared for, loved on daily, now is your time to release the old, embrace the new. The best is yet to come. So a backstory <laughs> is on March 27th, I voice messaged Heidi and I said, I feel like after we talk that we need to have a cross and everybody needs to nail their sin to the cross. And this past week when uh, 
Nicole, Heidi, and I sat down at the end of the, our conversation, Nicole was kind of hesitant to say it, but then said, I remember seeing people nail uh, their sins to a cross before. I don't know if this is the right message or not. And I literally just stared blankly on, are you kidding me? Like, what? And uh, Heidi said, did you guys talk about this? And I said, no. So today, that's what we're going to do. There are pens and there are papers in the seats, guys, in front of you. So if you can go ahead and reach forward, I encourage you to not be scared. If you're scared to walk up to the altar, please just make eye contact, put your hand up, put your hand on the person next to you, and let them walk with you. I've been scared countless times, but coming forward is what you need to do to give it up. So go ahead and just take some time right now. Take some time to process what the Lord is telling you that it's time for. And also tell the devil to take a back seat so you can actually hear what the Lord is telling you to give up. And I just pray over you guys that today when you leave, you leave different. Okay, so we're going to give you a moment, and then I'm going to pray over you. If you need a piece of paper or a pen, let someone know in your row. There's different sections that have them. And then whenever you're ready, I'm going to pray, and you can start responding. We're going to have our gents up here. Noah. Wow. What a picture. What a picture of the men of God and Dalton being willing to stand here and help us lay down what we need to lay down. So I'm going to pray over you, Lord Jesus, we thank you for what you've accomplished in the spirit realm and in each one of our hearts. We thank you that you have not left anyone out of what you want to do today. You have been so specific to speak a better word than what has been spoken over people's lives from the enemy. We say that the blood of Jesus is covering every sin that's being written right now. So as you're writing that sin on your piece of paper and as you're folding it over, we're not asking you to um, even show this to anybody. We want you to fold it over and we're going to ask you to nail it to the cross as the band plays here in a little bit because that's a private moment between you and Jesus. And the coolest thing is once you've laid this sin down, you don't get the opportunity to pick it back up because it's nailed to the cross. Now you can rip it off if you want, but the remnant will still be left behind that nail. So everything that Jesus accomplished on the cross was for your sin. So Jesus, I pray right now that you would do in the physical what is in the spirit realm right now, that we would see a physical opportunity to respond to your voice in obedience. Lord, I thank you for Nicole and Briley for what you have done, where you've given them conviction and you've given them courage to follow through. And I thank you for the ripple effect that is happening rapidly, that lives are being changed, that people are stepping in to know you, Jesus, and that we have the opportunity to be made new. Father, I thank you that you are the God that renews our minds daily. I pray right now that minds would be healed, brains would be healed, that anything that is not aligned with your spirit would come into alignment right now 
In the name of Jesus, I pray. This is for your glory. Thank you, Jesus.